This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome, everyone, to yet another episode of Diagnosing the Aftermarket A to Z. I'm Matt Bonslow, and today I have the distinct pleasure of having on a good friend of mine. You might have heard him, heard of him before. He is now the editor, technical editor of Motor Age magazine. He's a um, instructor-led trainer for CTI, WorldPack, and recently Automotive Seminars. His name, Brandon Steckler. Hey, hey. Welcome to the podcast, Brandon. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me. Distinguished guest. Wow. This feels uh feels amazing. I appreciate it, man. I'm honored for the opportunity. Thank you. You know, guys, it's no secret we're facing a technician shortage, and Napa Auto Care is addressing that. The free two-year apprentice program offers a variety of training to produce a technician with three ASC certifications. To learn more, members can visit member.napaautocare.com. I've said it before, but I have, I'm on a roll. I got these really, really good people on here. I'm going to have to get a jerk on here pretty soon. Well, here you go. That's why I'm here. <laughs> well, I was maybe masters isn't busy one night. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's great too. You're quiet. You're, you're, I, I, I didn't know how to take it when I first met you, Matt, honestly. I, I Nobody didn't does. A jerk, but I just I'm like, I don't know. Maybe this guy don't like me very much. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> So today, Brandon and I are going to discuss the big D, and I don't mean Dallas, <laughs> and I don't mean that either, so let's kind of keep our minds out of the gutter. You got the wrong guy if we're talking about that. Keep, keep, the, <laughs> keep the mind out of the gutter here. We're talking about divorce. Ouch. Uh, a few years ago, I went through a divorce, and uh, what is it, a couple years ago, a year ago, you yeah. went through a divorce. Yeah, that was a... It was enlightening. Very rough time. The first thing that comes to mind is you think you know a person. Yeah. Like literally. Very true. You, you know, the, the, the years you spend building good memories uh, in a very quick time, you tend to forget them and just focus on the stuff that, that ticks you off. It boils your blood and it makes you feel sick to your stomach. Yeah, yeah it, makes, it makes it hard to forget the good times, <clears throat> even though you know there were, there had to have been. Yeah. Oh, of course. The, the few. Yeah. I, I sympathize with that greatly. Mm-hmm. Not sure I have a really good direction on where this, to, this goes. I think there's so much to talk about. You, you know what I mean? That there's the, the, the actual personal end of things like thinking and feeling. And then there's like the advice portion. You know what I mean? It, I do. There's a lot to talk about. And I don't think it gets talked to about uh, talked about very much, especially amongst men. I don't think we talk about this stuff. We yeah. tend to bury it and hide it, and um, maybe just maybe to our very closest of friends reveal true feelings, but uh, it's not very often. I I got to tell you, I I know when you and I first talked about this potential topic idea, we were kind of just touching it and seeing how it would you know how it would go. And uh, I think in most circumstances, this, this tends to be an uncomfortable conversation, but um, anybody that, that knows me knows that, you know, all of my friends, all of the people I know in the automotive industry, I consider all of you friends. You guys also know that I'm going to do anything I can to help anyone out in any way I can. 
And if, if I could help anybody avoid the situation that escalated to where both myself and, and Matt found ourselves with our ex-wives, um, spouses, however you want to word it, I'd, I'd love to do that because if, if I knew what I know now, two years after the fact, if I knew that back then, there's things I would have done. And I, I really think my marriage could have been, could have been saved. I think there was potential for that. Yeah. In mine, I might, I don't know that mine would have been similar. I think, I don't think, I, I know I had warning signs early on, even during dating, but that fixer personality that just that, Hey, you know what? I think I found this diamond in the rough. I think there's a lot of self uh, image and poor self-esteem issues at play as well on my, my part. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. I think your self-esteem. Oh yeah. I don't have any. I could. So yeah. When you don't have any, how can there be a problem? <laughs> so I guess I just proved myself wrong, but yeah, I, I really do feel that way. Uh, in high school, uh, I didn't really have a girlfriend until junior, senior year. Not very comfortable around women. Tried to be that nice guy. Got friend zoned a lot. A lot. I hear you. So that's the next podcast. How did not get friend zoned? But, <laughs> but <laughs> You said a word that struck me just now, and it's because all of my previous girlfriends, I'm talking about since the time I was a, a teenager, uh, my, my early 20s, my early 30s, before I met who ended up being my wife, they all said the same thing. Uh, I tend to try and be a fixer, and I didn't realize I was doing it. You seem to find this damsel in distress, and you don't mean to, but it's always somebody that has a problem. Yep. It's like the proverbial woman stranded on the side of the road and you want to help. Of course, that didn't really happen, but it was one of those, you know, my ex-wife had financial troubles and, and she was a single mom with many kids and I played well with the kids and, you know, we got along and, you know, I guess you could look at it as me trying to help their situation where I was fine on my own, but I always found myself attracted to these situations. I didn't realize it at the time, but looking back, I think we do tend to fix things. Just maybe it's because we're mechanics, you know, F problem solvers during the day. I don't know. She was a uh, checkout girl at the um, one of the grocery stores. And I just right away, like, oh, my God, got to meet her. A friend of mine works there with her and he introduced us and went on a date and it went pretty well. Went on another date, went pretty well. But. Even early within months, there was warning signs that this is there's going to be hurdles, you know, with um, anger stuff, borderline rage. But I always blamed myself like, oh, well, you know, it's me. I said something right. Big surprise. Matt said something that offended somebody uh, or rubbed them the wrong way. Right. I, I, that's what I do. But I thought, hey, you know what? I'll show her a you know, quote unquote, got to be careful with this, very quote unquote, real family. You know, I come out of a very nuclear type family. Uh, I, th I know I've said it before. When I was a kid, when I was little, uh, we had one, I had one aunt and uncle that were divorced. I didn't even understand the concept of it because they still talked to each other. They were sat next to each other at family events. And that could have been, all a 
a play, you know, all staged or whatever, an act, just putting on a pretty, you know, putting on something decent for everybody that it didn't cause issues. And then away from that, maybe it was horrible. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But my, you know, divorce was just something I didn't quite comprehend. And you just, you stuck it out. My parents have been together for, you know, 50 years and no signs of slowing down. And I think I remember seeing them argue twice. Mm -hmm. And if something started to become an argument, my dad would head up to the machine shed and almost 15, 20 minutes later on the dot, my mom would work her way up to the machine shed and 10, 15, 20 minutes later, they'd come back holding hands. That's great. I'll tell you what, uh, yeah, and I've only seen that a couple times. Otherwise, they'd never, I never really saw them argue. Very rare. Maybe he'd say something and she'd say something, and that, that was it. There was no back and forth, yelling, screaming, throwing stuff, nothing like that. That's crazy, you know, because from my perspective, it's the total opposite. I, you know, I grew up in my area of the country, New York, New Jersey. My entire family, both mom and dad's side, are, are from this area. My, my dad is a hot headed Brooklyn Jew. And uh, extremely pissed off, sorry if I could say that about it. He, he's so short-tempered. He just, in a moment, he just flips. I distinctly remember one day my dad walking into the kitchen and he reached up to get a cup out of the upper cabinet. And he bent down to put it down. He looked up again and hit his head on it. So he slammed the cabinet door and it popped open. Then he slammed it harder and it popped open. So he kicked the bottom one, put his foot through it. And then he ended up destroying like the kitchen. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? But this is what I grew up with. My, my dad's a sweetheart. He's a, he would he would never he never hit anybody. He never hit us. You know he wasn't a. But if you went by his his reaction to stuff, you'd swear he was an abusive guy. My mother, my my dad, rarely got along. Uh, my dad, I, I guess he never admitted this, but from the outside looking in, I don't think my dad respected my mom as an intelligent woman. I think he looked at her as uh, you know, just a dumb girl from New Jersey that that he's going to take care of, you know, a significant age difference. I think my parents are 14 years apart. I just basically told you all that to tell you, I, I've, I've seen the exact opposite of you, nothing but fighting with my parents. My mom just finally had enough when she was, I was in third grade. She was probably, uh, I don't know, mid thirties when, when, she, when we left, my mom left and, and my brother, my sister and I, we, we went with her. And, and you know what, when, when people, people usually said to me when they heard I was getting a divorce, the next question is, are your parents divorced? That's probably why, you know, you're, you you do not know what a good relationship is. Honestly, it's got nothing to do with it. I don't think it has anything to do with it. Um, I, I know statistics get tossed around a lot. Um, 50% usually is tossed around. It's tech. It's technically a, quite a bit less. It's closer to 40% end up in divorce. That's kind of the thing with any relationship is there's only one thing that can really keep it together. And that's both people want to be in the relationship. Yeah. After that, it's if either one wants out or both of you want out, it falls apart. You can't make the other person want to stay in the relationship as much as you try to think you can. And that's that's what I did for the better part of 20 years was almost like the sales pitch. Stick it out. We'll work it out. I, I got to ask you a question. I guess we'll switch roles here. So think it back to the time when you said you stuck it out, meaning maybe you wanted out and just decided to stay, you know, for whatever reason, it was, it was easier. It was more comfortable. You don't want to start a fire, whatever it was. Um, what set you off? Like at some point in time you were happy, 
And then at some point you weren't. Is there something, what clicked with you? Very rarely was I the one that wanted out. I don't, if I did it, if I said I wanted out, a lot of times it was, and honestly, over 20 years, I can think of two times specifically where I said, I think I want out to her. And honestly, I don't think I meant it. I think it was more trying to manipulate and give it back a little bit. Like, hey, you, you like hearing it? Here, how's this feel? I got you. Because that was, and, and I would, I don't want to insinuate we argued all the time. It was fairly rarely, maybe I will just, I, I don't know if numbers are all that important, but maybe four times a year, we'll just mm-hmm. say. The, like the big, bad, knock them out, drag them out arguments. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they seem like they're bunched up together and then we go months and months and months, smooth sailing. This is what it could be like. This is what it should be like. And when we would get into those arguments, that was one of our very first uh, things to say was, you know, I think I'm out. Some of it was seemingly would be triggered by movies. <laughs> I hear you. So I'm just saying like, I remember one argument Shortly after we watched Titanic (laughs) and she's like quoting the movie and I'm looking at her like, you don't think I know where you got that from? You're going to spit on me next? (laughs) I'm serious. I know what you mean. Like they they inadvertently wanted to say it to you and just that that kind of triggered the thought. And like, here it comes. You know, as well as I do, it's easy to point fingers. And and anyone sitting up here with a microphone talking about their ex-spouse could easily turn it into poor me. And and yes. this is why I got stuck in the position I'm in. Um, I'm not going to do that though. I, uh, I am a very strong a type personality. Um, I don't know how you'd classify my ex-wife, but um, she's a very nice person, very laid back, a little bit too laid back when it comes to certain things. One of the things that drove me nuts is that if, if you've got things that are working out, they're working out for a reason. In other words, I'm handling certain jobs in the household and she's handling certain jobs. You know, it's a balancing act. It's like, for instance, in, in our situation, I know it's not in every situation. It was my job to bring home the money. Kim had her hands full with the kids. She had three teenagers at the time, 13, 15, and 17. And we had a, a baby on the way or, or shortly thereafter, my daughter McKenna was born. So Kim was at home with the kids and uh, there was no time for work. So I was working my tail off. And I, I just asked for simple things like, do me a favor, you know, take this uh, pay, here, pay the mortgage or take, put this in the mailbox for me or something like that. And it was the little things that she would forget. In the end, it would cost us dearly. There'd get a notification. Hey, you're severely late on this. There's a big penalty. And it's like, you know, what the heck? I only, I only asked you to do one thing. So things like that would upset me. And I, I would hold it against her, whether it would be the silent treatment. Not that I was doing it purposely. I wasn't saying I'm, I'm not going to talk to her today. I just, I'm, anyone that knows me knows when I'm upset, I just get in my own head and I'm quiet. I don't bark and scream. I would and yell. say I'm the very much the same. Yeah. I just kind of, everyone knows it's like, my mom will say, you know, if, if, if I'm doing that and somebody, a friend says, Hey, what the heck's wrong with Brandon? She'll say, leave him alone. Don't go near him. Just give him some space because he's, he's got to cool off. And, I found myself in that situation more often than not. And uh, what it did, Matt, is it, 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 it systematically drove me out of the house to the point where I'd spend all my time focusing on, 
car problems and, and writing classes and doing stuff. So did it help my career? Kind of. Yeah, it did. But uh, that's not the way to handle it. You know, you don't walk away from your problems, especially when there's family involved. You got to face it head on. I think a huge part of my problem was I kept things inside. I try not to do that anymore. It doesn't always work out that way, but that was a big part of my problem. I'm I'm pretty sure my current wife would much rather I just kept most of the stuff I have to say inside. (laughs) (laughs) I think if I had to look back on things, uh, I think my ex felt like she should really want to be with me. Like I should be the one. Okay. Come from a strong family work to provide um not not trying to sound like that was just the roles and all that that were very old-fashioned or anything because she worked as well tried to give her all the credit in the world for that when she was bringing home paychecks oftentimes she was the one paying essentially paying for uh, medical insurance dental insurance and uh, daycare I think we first started dating after I had graduated high school. She had still had a year left, although we were age wise, we're only about two weeks apart, just the way things fell. And so, what are you about 50 now? (laughs) Yeah, not quite. I'm kidding. Got a ways to go yet. I'm kidding. Hope I get there. Hope I go way past it. Oh, yeah. I just think she wasn't happy. And I'm, it's an easy target. I am not easy to deal with because something you said five years ago, if you contradict yourself, you're getting called out and the conversation will be rattled off to you probably verbatim. And if you want, I'll probably even tell you what you were wearing when you said it, where you were sitting. And that's rough. I mean, that's really rough. And then we moved in together and lived in an apartment for a while. She got uh, pregnant. I feel like we're going to get married no matter what. So I don't want to make that sound like that's what prompted this marriage. I got you. I think it was going to happen regardless. Uh, But I think a lot of these things in retrospect that she was trying to do to make herself happy or help herself be happy was, you know, you, you graduate high school, try out college. College wasn't for her. Fine. Get a house have a kid, get a dog, get a cat, you know, white picket fences, decent vehicles, whatever. And that this accumulation of stuff will make you feel like you're accomplishing things under it all. She probably just wasn't happy. Um, other, other than like the anger stuff early on should have been a good trigger. Should have, I should have been, even if we ended up together, eventually I should have had a much stronger position of, I'm not really not going to tolerate this. I, you yeah. want to act like that? You, I don't need this. But, you know, before kids, before marriage, whatever. That I should have been a lot more proactive about that. A lot more stick up for myself instead of figuring out where I went wrong. And okay, well, if I don't push these buttons, then she won't. It won't set her off, and then it'll be fine. And that's not right either. You got to be yourself, right? Yeah. Really, things started falling apart in the marriage, and there's a few different times where. I should have pulled the ripcord. It was mostly when she would get a job um, in a factory. It's There were things, I think, going on, whether they really happened or didn't. Enough people thought they were going on, and there's enough things that lend themselves to supporting that they happened that 
dissolve trust. Yep. And so now you got somebody that will quote back to you a conversation that you had years ago. You've now caused a rift in trust. Mm-hmm. And you can try to forgive, but I never forget. And now, hyper alert, hyper alert for any sort of signals that you're maybe not doing what you're saying you're doing or you are doing what you're saying you're not doing. And whether she's guilty or innocent, when you got somebody like that, who's just constant, I'm not saying I gave her the third degree all the time or anything like that, but it's kind of like in the back of your head, in the back of my head. And when things aren't adding up, it's kind of like, well, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. So you said you were here, but no, you couldn't have been. And I think finally it was just, um, enough was enough after, uh, it was roughly together 20 years married for, eh, you know, what, almost 14. Wow. Um, at a, yeah, at her job, she, she left and I'll let you, I'll let you, um, let you in here and then we can come back to that, how that all went transpired. Yeah, no problem. Listen, I, I gotta say I was on the flip side of your situation. I was the a-hole. Um, point, point being things got so bad and didn't desire to be at home anymore. Not that I sought out companionship somewhere else on purpose. Just kind of happen. You meet somebody, you're getting along and you know what? There's not problem. There's not the problems you have at home that you have with this new person. Issues with, with intimacy with my wife because of our situation, that the, the, the negative feelings almost all the time, the, the getting home from work. And, and, you know, you remember that nervous feeling when you were a kid going to, going to a bigger job like you have now for the first time, it's like, oh, I got to perform. I got to do well. Yep. I had those feelings coming home. Like what's going to happen tonight? In other words, if I got stuck in traffic, I can go, oh, I got an extra 45 minutes. So I get home and you know, no one should have to home should be a safe haven. I handled things wrong. I, I didn't speak up. And, and hey, if I did speak up and my feelings were not at least considered or there was an attempt to make a change, then, you know, it's time to go. But I didn't do that. I didn't speak up. So I let things roll. And then eventually it got to the point where I just didn't care anymore. And I wasn't trying to hurt anyone's feelings. I wasn't trying to be, I don't know what the word is, sneaky or, or anything like that. I just, I didn't even care. And uh, that's a really bad place to be for everyone. What kind of example do you set for, for your stepchildren that are teenagers and are still impressionable? Your young child, my daughter, what would she think of her father, you know, who, who has given up on his family? Not on purpose, yeah. meant her mother, but it was a bad position to be in. I put myself in that position. Of course, I, I take full responsibility for anything that happened, but it didn't have to happen that way. It could have been a lot different. It should have been a lot different. I don't want it at all insinuate I was innocent. Part of me is poking the bear. Part of me is always messing with people's heads. (laughs) I don't want to go so far as to say like gaslighting, but I entertain myself. That's a new word. I've I've been hearing that a lot the last, the last couple of months of my, I don't know if she researched it or saw it on like Ricky Lake or something like that, but (laughs) yeah, gaslighting. I'm like, where did you get this word? I've never heard it until this year. And then I heard it every week. 
I've heard of it. Um, I think it, when I usually hear it outside of certain s- circles, it's misused uh, completely. Uh, I've been accused of gaslighting even on the internet. And it's like, that would, that would take a lot of skill. I suppose I could do it, but no. It, it, when you start getting somebody to start questioning their own reality, that's gaslighting. Otherwise, most people consider gaslighting as you're just giving them a rough time. It's yeah. Like, oh, Poking a bear. No, it's, if you're going to use those terms, make sure we use them right. So, yeah, I, I wasn't innocent by any means. I don't know that, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm biased. I'm sure I'm very, very biased in my opinion. I don't think it deserved what it got. Leading up to the actual, sep- we'll call it separation, but... um. I kind of sensed something wasn't right. You know, I'd asked her a couple times because it seemed, you know, we had really just bought uh, the house of her dreams, if you will. And uh, we had just upgraded her vehicles because she had to, uh, to drive back roads. It's like they're, they're paved, but they're county roads. So they weren't always the best maintained in certain elements, snow uh, and whatnot. So we got her an all-wheel drive vehicle and uh, make sure she could get to and from work safely and stuff like that. But I don't know. It's just, it was a weird, weird distance. I, I don't know. I couldn't put my finger on it. But it was a, it was a Friday. It was a couple of weeks before Thanksgiving in 2013. And that morning we were intimate. And that night, the kids are calling me at work. Like, where's mom? I don't know. She's probably sleeping. No, she's not in there. Okay. Oh, her grandma's in the hospital. She's probably visiting. Well, she's not answering her phone. I doubt her cell phone works in the hospital. Okay. Keep calling. Keep calling. Now I'm kind of wondering. And then her, her mother, my mother-in-law is calling me like, Hey, have you heard from her lately? No, I guess I assume she is at the hospital visiting her grandma. Well, I'm up here now. She's not here. She hasn't been here weird and then the kids call me before i leave for work leave work to go home and they found a letter taped to the tv in our bedroom you know like the dear john letter said dear matt it didn't really say dear matt at all but it was there for them to see and then they read it which they shouldn't have read it and then that's that was just like the beginning but it turned out all of that you know, she wanted out. I tried to, you know, save it. It's like, we can work this out, whatever it takes. We'd been to counseling before. Think about the kids, think about our family. Not interested. And I, you know, I think, I, I think I know why, but it's fine. I called her one night and I'm just kind of like, you know, this is the last time I'm going to ask. I very much want to save marriage i'm willing to do whatever it takes you know to work with you to make this work i think we can make it work but understand if you say no i will now i immediately once you say no i will now be immediately after divorce now i'm in favor of it so this is i know it sounds kind of threatening but it was like i'm hoping you say yes because that's the answer i want she said no. I said, okay. 
So that's when that's when the the initial or the initial that's when the the divorce started happening. And then, you know, what do you do? You get an attorney uh, and all that. That turned out actually to work out quite well. That was the easy part. I got to say, as sickeningly as that sounds, we figured out most of the stuff before we ever walked into the courtroom. Good. Uh, assets and everything. Like, you know, if it was yours, it's yours. I have no interest in your great-grandfather's chair. By all means, take it. I, The wedding gifts, you know, what What do you want? I, I kind of want this. I would like that. Well, you know, we got this from your parents. You should probably get it. it that was super amicable. I'm glad you had that experience. Mine was. If you can do that, do that. Because I know I have friends that have spent thousands of dollars in legal fees fighting over a freaking blender. I'll tell you what. I'm going to tell you a funny story. Uh, it's funny now. It wasn't at the time. A uh, little bit of backstory. My now ex-wife came into our relationship with nothing except the clothes on her back and a car that needed replaced anyway. So she has nothing, doesn't even have a savings account, uh, no kind of, and she's a few years older than me, but no kind of, no, no kind of retirement plan or strategy or account. Not, I mean, not even a hundred dollars safe, nothing. So when it came time for divorce, of course, everything we have was mine. And of course now, you know, what's mine is yours and what's yours, you know, what's ours is hers. And y- you know how that works. Yep. Yep. When I first sought out a lawyer. He said, now I want you to listen to me. I know you're not going to, but I got to give you this advice. And I wish I listened. (laughs) Actually, I should. I did listen. He said, I want you to go home, not with her, but go sit down in a quiet place. And I want you to make out a list of all the stuff you're willing to give her and and what you want and why. He goes, but don't be, he said, don't be an a-hole about it. I know you're angry. You have to be fair because if you're not fair, this is going to go to court. And guess what? Then you got to open your wallet. So if you could be fair about this, well, I won't go into the details, but everything I put on paper that I'd be willing to give her is what we ended up doing anyway. But in between, we fought so much, it cost an additional $18,000 worth of bickering back and forth. And in the end, we settled on the list I created to begin with. Yeah. But it cost 18 grand instead of for free. And it was like, well, what a, I looked at that money could have been for my daughter's college education, yep. you know, and it's like, so just to, to, to back up what you're saying in amicable, you know, if you get to the point that you, it's going to happen, it's divorce. Good Lord, take your time and, and, and be fair about it. You can't put somebody out on their ear and expect them to be happy about it. You know, what material positions are that important? Neither of us were after any kind of family heirlooms. You know, that I just, I can't even see doing that to her. And she was nice enough not to do that to me. The The vehicles were easy to split up. You know, there was a little bit of a heated discussion over, I think, some movies. And it ended up, we just kind of split them. That stuff went fairly well. Um, the The house... You know, she just wanted out. She had a new life to work on. I got the house and in exchange for that, you know, I tried to give more to try to offset that. Um, like I said, that the actual divorce itself was, um, you know, 
inexpensive in the grand scheme of things. It was amicable. Uh, the the maybe the biggest problem, and it would be my my advice. So in our situation, because of what she was uh, planning to do and doing, I guess for her new life, was that visitation for the kids. So I, I was granted sole physical custody. Wonderful. Okay. Right. For the more, I think it's becoming more common, but it's really not common for the the man to get to get that. No. But you know, joint legal, sole physical. They lived with me. The visitation schedule was essentially when she could. Because of it, it was worded very loosely. That's problematic. That is really problematic. So even if even if it's a situation where you're both okay with it being flexible and there is a very, very strong argument that it should for the mental health of the kids. Mm-hmm. Agreed. That there's still something to fall back on if need be. Yeah. Okay. If need be. What you two decide to do behind closed doors, if that's what you want to call it, is fine. But when all else fails, whatever's on paper versus if you don't get it on paper, now it's a fight and it's got to go to court and that could take months. Yep. My divorce came to the surface you know, I initiated it after this situation here. Uh, shortly after I got back from England, COVID had just come to be. No one's ever heard of this until, you know, it was a brand new even word, COVID-19. So uh, it was literally that week. Um, my friends and I, uh, you know, Tim Izzy and, and Josh Gatos, you, you, you might know those names. Uh, they live real close to me. They're dear friends of mine. And being technicians, we're always busy. So maybe once a month, once every other month, we get together and have a little bonfire in Josh's backyard, just drink some beer and laugh, tell some jokes, whatever, tell some more stories. So I told Kim, I said, hey, it's, you know, it's Friday night. I'm going to go to Josh's house for a little bit. She said, the heck you are. There's there's COVID out there. I said, look, he lives in the woods and we work in the back of a shop all day. Believe me, if anybody doesn't have COVID, it's us. Well, I left and when I came back, my bags were on the porch. I was locked out of my own house. So I went, like, like a stubborn ass, I stayed in the driveway all night in my car. I froze my tail off. It was like 40 <laughs> degrees. But I'll tell you what, 40 degrees, just going through your bones all night long. Good Lord, that yeah. on you. Next morning, I woke up, went to my mom's house, had a cup of hot coffee. And my brother was there. He said, look, we got a spare room, me and you know his, his wife. He said, why don't you just come stay with us? You can stay as long as you want. I said, well, I don't want to stay long. I just, until I figure this out. So I, I stayed with him a couple of months. But then... She pulled that COVID card. I got to tell you, my ex is extremely paranoid with, she's a germaphobe. I mean, to the utmost, like scrub her skin off, wash her hands, germaphobe. I come home from work. I got to basically strip down almost naked to walk in the house and she won't let me in. With this COVID thing, I wasn't allowed to see my daughter because I travel with, you know, for teaching and stuff. And anytime I came home, she said, give it 14 days. Well, within 10 days, I was back on the road again. And and my daughter's got a little bit of a, a personality challenge. She was diagnosed with Tourette syndrome, which it's not it's not like you see on TV. It's very you you wouldn't notice. But the the point is, she's very introverted and doesn't like to talk on the phone. If my mom calls, grandma calls, and says she loves her, she don't answer. She just kind of she clams up. She doesn't know what to do. So getting her on the phone was a nightmare. She wouldn't talk with me for more than two minutes, and then I couldn't see her. I wasn't allowed to touch her even when I did visit. Uh, I couldn't hug her. She wouldn't hug me. That was that was terrible. And the thing is, uh, like you mentioned, Kim was very laid back with visitation. Like we didn't put anything on paper, although I probably should have 
in hindsight because she couldn't pull this nonsense. But when I approached my lawyer about it, my lawyer said, look, you've got a valid point, this, but so does she. This COVID thing, this is new to everybody. And uh, even when you can get to court, which they're not even allowing you in court because of the COVID thing, unless it was an emergency, even when you get there, she still may win. So you're going to wait months, spend thousands of dollars and still lose. So I, it was a nightmare for me anyway. It turns, again, if you can figure out something amicably, do it because that's the worst part is not being able to see your child. And, and I'm not, I don't care who it is telling me it's not the case. That, that did some damage to our relationship. Uh, when, when my ex-wife and I started talking again as friends, uh, my daughter warmed up to me more. She's climbing on me now and, and, you know, giving me hugs. And if I stop by to visit, I'll hold the dog in one hand and she's laying on my lap the other side. And it's so much better than it used to be. But she was feeding off of that, that negative energy between me and her mom. And, and she didn't want to be a part of it. It was terrible. The expo everyone has been waiting for is back. The 2022 Napa Expo is coming to the Venetian Convention and Expo Center in Las Vegas, Nevada from July 18th through the 21st. It promises to be the biggest and best Napa Expo yet. Gear up for four days of business building excitement from general sessions and seminars to an enormous trade show that promises more suppliers, more space, and more products than ever before. It's all intended to help keep your business on the road to success. Industry experts will lead dozens of seminars throughout the day and general sessions will feature speakers from a variety of backgrounds who encourage you to strive for excellence and inspire you to keep your eye on the end game. As for the trade show, with 200 Napa suppliers and 555,000 square feet of exhibition space, you will use every minute of the doubled trade show hours to see everything there is to see. Visit with Napa suppliers about new products and equipment, as well as the latest diagnostic and repair solutions. There will be areas dedicated to brakes, tools and equipment, heavy duty, and the Napa store and Napa Auto Care, making it easier for you to locate suppliers on the show floor. The Napa Auto Care booth will showcase the cornerstones of the Napa Auto Care program and its elements, including branding and marketing, employee solutions, business management and development, process improvements, and gold certification. In addition to business, there will be plenty of fun at the 2022 Napa Expo. The entertainment lineup includes country superstar Keith Urban, American rock band The Goo Goo Dolls, and the always entertaining Spasmatics, delivering the best songs and cool dance steps of the 80s. In addition to all the learning and networking opportunities, there will be an amazing lineup of prizes with a variety of vehicles from ATVs and motorcycles to cars and trucks. For Auto Care Center owners, 2022 Napa Expo is a can't-miss event. If you are not a Napa Expo package holder and are interested in attending, contact your servicing Napa Auto Parts store. See you at the 2022 Napa Expo. So after the divorce, the the time she spent with the kids, so, so we had three kids together, was very, um, and this will sound very condescending, and I, I don't mean it that way. It, it is what it is. She, she was working a lot. She, she had plans, uh, but it was almost very uh, grandmother-esque, meaning, and I mean that as a description as a, of the situation, come and pick up the kids or one of the kids, take them shopping, take them to a restaurant, drop them off at home. And that might happen, you know, a couple times a week. And, and it was fine. We were getting along, you know, 
I don't know if I would say we were friends, but we were certainly amicable, got along. There's really no arguing um, at all. I, w- I would say it was pretty smooth sailing. The kids seemed to be adjusting well. Uh, I got them into counseling right away. That was one of the first things I did when things were going south as I got the kids into counseling. And um, the problem is, is after a while, she was paying me child support. And her job, she had a really good job uh, with health insurance. So the kids were covered. Technically, I am was covered. I don't know if it's a, you know, some of the stuff we talk about could be uh, state level, like differences from state to state to state. So there's a lot of stuff we may say here that isn't accurate for where you live. But where I live, uh, I could be on her insurance indefinitely as long as there was no change to the insurance, if that makes sense. And I think it was something like if they switched companies or not. And that wasn't going to really happen. So I was on her health insurance. She did not pay extra for me. You know, it was single or family, correct. But that didn't, you know, that didn't sit too well with her. A, the child support she was paying, along with uh, providing me with health insurance, uh, we had to go, we went to, you know, I don't think it was technically court. Like a mediator or something? Yeah, kind of a mediation type thing about it. And the uh, mediators kind of like, look, that insurance is there to be used and it's not costing you any more. What, do you, what are we going to do? Like, she looked at it as if you had to go get your own, it might be X number of hundreds of dollars. So technically she's paying hundreds of dollars and that's not true. Yeah, correct. I've been in that situation too. I mean, I was kind of confused by it, a little frustrated, but you know, whatever. It didn't, didn't go anywhere. We weren't, you know, no animosity. I didn't feel like, but that didn't last. <laughs> that didn't last at all. There, there got to be a lot of accusations. Okay. Uh, she would start, I believe, this is all hearsay or Matt's imagination. So please don't take this as fact. So I'm sus- I have a suspicion that she was complaining about child support, complaining about visitation, complaining about um, insurance and all that. So she quit her job. And we ended up in court over child support. And the judge basically said, if she isn't making it, she can't pay it. And she didn't have. So like if you and I, I suspect you and I, maybe for sure me, we've worked in this field for X amount of years. We have education. So we have degrees or uh, certificates of some sort that sets kind of a precedence of your income. Therefore, if you quit your job or get fired or whatever, they can still request or more so than request, require X amount of dollars a month from you in child support because you've demonstrated uh, that you can earn, you have this earning potential or based on your education and all that and experience, you should be able to generate this type of income. She didn't have that. Even though she had a job where she was with overtime, she was making as much or more than I was. That wasn't the precedent. And because of the no uh, education, again, not a bash. I'm not Mr. College here. There's no precedent. So they, my child support plummeted, plummeted. 
And it's not like I was making bank before. I had enough to pay bills on my own, save some money for school stuff. So the, the kids don't have books anymore. They get Chromebooks. And at the time, we had to buy them. Mm-hmm. And I have three kids, oh, three right. Chromebooks. Right. So it's not like I'm getting the child support and all of a sudden buying a different vehicle and doing upgrades to the house and going on vacations and yeah, you're using it. What it's for. Correct. Cause that's all I could do. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Mr. You know, Mr. Morality here. It was, it's what I had to do. Yeah. And that's what it exists for. That's why it's there. Yep. So uh, I think she got some advice that there is a way to get this um, swung the other way. And it involved the the legal system and accusations. So my middle daughter had gotten into an argument with her older sister. And usually I just kind of let them fight it out. There wasn't like fisticuffs or anything like that. But she dropped the C word on her. Okay. That's crossing the line. Come with me. And I'm just going to escort her to her room. But I had her by the arm. I wasn't squeezing her. It wasn't like, hey, you would come with me. What are you doing talking like that? But it was kind of like guiding her. Like, hey, come on. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. We got to talk about this. <laughs> There's certain words we're just not going to use in this house. That's one of them. <sighs> okay. Everything's cool, right? Everything's cool. Until she goes to her mother's that night. Or it was a couple days later. Next thing you know, a cops are at my house. Oh. He's like, did you grab your daughter? When you say grab, what do you mean? Because I want to make sure we're talking about the same thing. Did you grab her arm? <laughs> I don't think I really grabbed it, but I, yeah, I took her by the arm to her room. This is what happened. And then he talked to my eldest daughter and it seemed like that was going to be the end of it. That was not the end of it. Oh, what a nightmare. Yeah. The police call me up. And as a favor, like, dude, you're going to be getting an order of protection in the mail. For what? Oh, that debacle with your daughter. Debacle. Okay, if I were to drug her into her room, I'd almost sympathize with this. He's like, dude, we're out. We're out. <laughs> so, yeah, it came and it ended up, it wasn't, it sucked because I couldn't see her for until the judge could look it over. And really, I was ordered to go to uh, anger management, even though he himself said, I don't think you need it, but I'm ordering you to go. And I'm not even going to wait for you to complete it. Once you sign up to go, I trust you'll do it. And the um, visitation will go back to the way it was supposed to be. So, you know, they had granted her temporary custody of the kids. I had my first appointment before I left the courthouse. But understand now, at least where I live, the police will not go in and really execute visitation orders. Okay. Because they're criminal. They deal with criminal uh, stuff. Yeah. This is considered civil. And if things aren't going right, you take them to court. Gotcha. Even though your order here, the the divorce decree, the visitation, all that is a signed order by a judge. A lot of them will not do it. So in other words, if if your ex uh, refused to let you have the kids or see the kids, there's nothing you can do about it except take her back to court. Yes. Wow. 
so even though they're they're supposed to be with me, she's like, I don't know if you're going to anger management. It's like it's pretty easy to prove. And I was there, my attorney was there, your attorney was there. He said once I was signed up, I didn't even have to go. It goes back. Big issue. Um, finally, one of the um, sheriffs, sheriff's department, got fed up with it, and he went in and got the kids. Like, the, what are I, you doing? And he kind of lit her up a little bit. And in your opinion, of course, did your ex think you were truly harming your daughter, or was she just playing the card? Yeah, I was playing the card. Okay. <laughs> you think I'm done? <laughs> oh no! Yeah. You think I'm done? Um, there was a um, video record or not video, sorry, audio recorder. They had a solid state audio recorder and my daughter didn't come home from school, middle daughter again, and didn't come home from school. So I call her on her cell phone. I'm like, hey, where you at? I'm at the park. It's a little late to be at the park. Yeah. You know, hanging out with friends. I'm like, probably should get home. But I don't want to come home. I don't know why you wouldn't want to come home, but it's time to come home. Well, what if I don't? Well, are you going to sleep at the park? Whatever. And they're recording this. I don't have to go through the whole conversation. But towards the end, I do start raising my voice. Not screaming, not yelling, but I start raising my voice. Like, you know what? You need to get home. So and she figures out how to get a ride over to her mother's. And then, again, trying to get her back. Then the sheriff goes in there. And they're... You know, no, I can't go home. He's going to beat me. What do you mean he's going to beat you? Why do you think he's going to beat you? Well, listen to this recording. So he listens to the recording and he looks at her, looks at my daughter, looks at my ex. And he's like, that sounds like a parent trying to get a um, disobedient child to do what they're supposed to do, which is go home, which is where you're going right now. And then he comes out, he puts her in my car and he's just like, dude, you might you might want to brace yourself. What does that mean? He's like, this is not gonna this is gonna get ugly. It's like, oh great. For what? You know, it's like, come on. And anyways, he's right. The, he's freaking right. <laughs> he's probably seen it a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. And my daughter um kind of fesses up a little bit that she was sold on the idea that if she lived with her mother, there'd be no rules. No curfews, no, you know, life of freedom. Do what you want when you want. My house was opposite. Not like there's rules for everything, but there's like expectations and all that and chores. And Anyways, and I, I'm, I hate that I'm dominating this conversation. I'm sorry. No, it's great. I mean, I can, I can, I don't mean great. Like it's good news. I don't mean it like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, it's not. But it's, As you're sitting there eating popcorn. It's enlightening that, that. You know, sometimes you feel like you're the only one going through it and you see TV and people get divorced and the sad, lonely wife or, or, or ex-husband goes to their new apartment, starts setting up pictures and stuff. And it's like, uh, you know, and, and things just happen the way they did. But man, the, the feelings that go through you, like you, even though you keep it under wraps, you feel like a monster inside sometimes. Like you, you're so bitter. I, I went, I used to go to bed angry, like, like tense. You know what I mean? Like I, I couldn't sleep because my my muscles in my body were, were like clenched up. I was angry. No matter what I did, it didn't seem to get better. And she always seemed to have the upper hand. And I don't mean it like it's a game and she's winning. 
I mean, no matter what I did, it seemed the the odds were against me. Like I looked at it as what, what bothered me, Matt, is I looked at it as she had nothing. I had everything that I earned. It was never given to me. I shared it with her. Now, just because of some laws, all of that stuff becomes hers. I get nothing. I got to give her half of my life savings because I knew her for 10 years. That money was earned before I even knew her. But law says she's entitled to half of it. And and she's got my daughter. She's in my house. She's got my car. <laughs> she's got all my furniture. She's got all the TVs and everything I bought, whether I bought it by myself or for us, she gets first. And, and anything that was mine that was left in the house, for instance, uh, uh, a big screen TV, she decided she didn't want it. She threw out that in a seven, seven piece surround sound system because she didn't want it anymore. She didn't ask me if I wanted it. She just threw it out because it's in her house. I mean, my house. I mean, her house. You know what I mean? So those things made me angry. And I got to the point where I stopped talking to her. I, I didn't even answer the phone. I knew I wasn't going to see my daughter anyway. So I kind of just disappeared because if I talked to her, I'd end up in trouble. I'd end up in an argument. We'd end up back in court. And I just, I didn't need that. Uh, her children were old enough to be knowledgeably spiteful, like things like you just experienced with your daughter. They could certainly, and they have, twisted some truths to, to to make things out to be the way they weren't. And and they learned a hard lesson from it, almost legally. It, it's amazing how you go you go back to the way things were, thinking about how the, the way things were when you met, to where are we at now? We are at a legal issue. We are having police step in because of issues, not violence, but worded as violence and, and things like that. And it's like, God, what have we become? I, dude, <laughs> just, Oy. It, it's somebody that you were, you know, professed in front of all your friends and family. And uh, depending on your belief structures, your, your God, your mm -hmm. uh, creator, sure. that you were going to spend the rest of your lives together and just power through it. The, hopefully happily, like maybe not always happily, but eventually happily. Can I throw in a little, a little happy story? <laughs> kind of, kind of, we need one right now. That, Otherwise, that we're going to be drinking by the end of this yeah, conversation. You know, that, that broke up all that. I, I wouldn't even say heartache. It was just anger. I wasn't sad. I was pissed all day long, every day, pissed off. And pardon the, pardon the language. I'm sorry. But uh, I was upset. It just, it twisted me up inside. And, um, our priest, I, I was raised Roman Catholic, not very religious, but I was raised Roman Catholic and so was Kim. So naturally her mom, big churchgoer, wanted us to get married in her, in her Catholic church down the, down the road from us. So, okay, we agreed to do that. No problem. Uh, I don't know if you know anything about the Catholic religion, but um, it's very common for, for you to go confess your sins to the priest in private before he will allow you to get married. And they want you to do marriage counseling and stuff like that, even before you get started. So, okay, you know, we do that. So I'm, I'm professing my, my sins to this, uh, to this, uh, priest, young priest. And, uh, I was quite comfortable doing that. I, I really liked the guy. I don't want to mention his name, but uh, you'll under, understand why in a minute. But anyhow, he was from Africa. And at the time, Africa was really not a place you might, you might not want to be, especially as a Catholic. You know, there were some dangerous things going on there. So nonetheless, he went back to visit family. And it was a week later, my mother-in-law came over crying. 
I said, Carol, what's wrong? And she said, you know, it's father so-and-so. I'm like, oh God, what happened? Did somebody, you know, the first thing I thought of was something happened to him. She says, uh, he had a moment of weakness. I said, okay, well, long and short of it is this father, <laughs> and I don't want to laugh, but I have to, because the only thing that broke up the, the monotony of the anger I was experiencing, knocked up a girl, then brought her secretly and paid to have an abortion and, and was doing all sorts of stuff online and all these websites. And it's like, all I could do, Matt, I, I, I fell to the ground laughing. Like a long idiot. moment. <laughs> I just fell to the ground laughing. Like I couldn't even believe how funny that was to me. And it's terrible. I mean, I don't mean to laugh at anybody's misfortune, especially with a, an abortion involved. But I mean, I just needed some news other than my own bad news. And to hear that even he did something like this, it made me feel like no wonder this marriage was crap. Look who married us. <laughs> That's kind of how I felt. <laughs> so again, I don't think it's funny now, but at the time it's the, all I could do is laugh. Hysterically left. I think there's a lot going on there too. The uh, lifestyle that they're expected to live can yeah. be very, it can be difficult. Sure. I shouldn't speak from experience. I have no idea. Well, no, we hear about stuff like that all the time. You know, bad things happening with, with children and, and what they describe as being sexual deviants and things like that. And I, I you know, I, I get it. I, I'm not saying I approve of it. I'm just saying to, I couldn't imagine going against human nature for, for decades at a time. You know, that's got to, it's not what we were designed to do as, as human beings, as animals. So. Not, Not really excuses, but man, I think we see it. We see the evidence of it. It's rough. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot to ask. So let's see, <laughs> kind of get through the, uh, the original OFPs. And then, then came the real, the real messed up stuff. The, this is the, this is the stuff that resulted in me really not talking to her and hardly able to look at her for, a few years. Yeah, my my current wife has acted as a liaison for a good number of years because of this. But um I got some affidavits, signed affidavits mailed to me accusing me of physically abusing our son, emotionally and sexually abusing our middle daughter and sleeping with the uh, our eldest daughter. You got to be kidding me. I really wish I was. Oh, my. And God. I really. I I don't know. Like I was. Because then, you know, they came and took the kids immediately. They don't have to prove yeah. anything. They just have to accuse you of it. I, you know, I I showed my parents, which is probably a horrible idea. Because then they read them. Mm hmm. And, you know, if they were amicable to her before, they weren't anymore. That even if she herself didn't write some of the stuff, if she had any knowledge that that's what they were writing, you would have thought she'd have been like, whoa, 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 whoa. We're not going there. Yeah. Or in the courtroom, not standing up and basically saying, you know what, Your Honor? None of that's true. I that's horrible. They would that somebody would write that down that that is not true. That's not what happened. And so I was for the better part of a summer pretty sure that my life was over. Like one way or another. What I don't know if it would really resulted in jail time, but 
I was very much under the impression that like the chances of me seeing my kids ever again, unsupervised or, yeah, you know, they're living with me now, all of a sudden they're not, it, it's like how this, I did not see a lot of light at the end of this tunnel. I don't blame you. Uh, my attorney, on the other hand, was pretty upbeat, you know, as you could be like, uh, but it was trying to get things into court. And it turned out of all things, of all things, CPS saved my life. Of all things. Child Protective Services? Is that what that's saying? Yeah, yeah, okay. sorry. You know, it's okay. It's different in every state. It's different in every state. They call it something different. Yeah, I, I do that a lot. I, I need to get called out on it more. I will rattle off acronyms and not say what they no. are. Children's Services um, here, DIFUS in New Jersey. It's it's all sorts of different. What had happened is they took the kids out of school and gave them what they call a soft room uh, interview individually. Uh, so it's very laid back, very, you know. Like on a couch or something. Yeah, I guess very safe. And while the uh, um, the police chiefs, two of them, watched via closed circuit TV, they interviewed the kids, and all three, all three, adamantly, no, none of this happens. What that's absurd. And then they would go into a little bit about what happened at the other house. And I'm not implying. I don't want to imply like you know, horrible abuses or anything like that, but discussing about feeling obligated to say into a voice recorder that they're scared of me, scared for their safety, stuff like that, that they're being bribed a little bit and threatened a little bit, you know, I don't know about threatened, but leveraged a little bit. Man, I'm sorry. So, I mean, it ends up good. Like it, there was light at the end of the tunnel. I came out on the other end, you know, kind of back to where I was at. The kids are living with me. And then you're kind of back in the counseling with the kids, almost like now there is some animosity that wasn't there before. And I'm not sure I'm capable of letting bygones be bygones. I mean, I mean, you're a little, you're a little ticked off. That's what you're saying. I'm, beside myself ticked off i'm furious at family court versus criminal court because if this would have happened in criminal i could have went after her hard and not that i not that i wanted i mean i wanted to but the thing is is i think when you know the repercussions of making an accusation like that and it being wrong you just wouldn't make that accusation you won't go there but family court, you can say whatever you want. Just trying to smear you. Yes, whatever you want. There's no holds barred. And it's up to the judge to sit there and try to sift through and figure out what's true and what's not true. Make their judgment. And there's really no repercussions for the outright lies. And I was furious at the system. Fear, I mean, furious at the system that could allow this. And furious with her, like we spent 20 years together and you're going to resort to this? Like, what? And and even if she herself didn't have a hand in it, what about 
when you had a chance to stand up and make it right, you didn't. I understand selfish reasons, right? Because the potential of getting either physical custody of the kids or full custody of the kids or even 50% or whatever was right there. Yeah. It ends up backfiring. It just costs a lot of freaking money. Yeah. Like a lot of money. You're, you know, college, retirement. Forget it. I mean, brutal. It's brutal. So yeah, it's like, I, I don't know that I'm mature enough to be able to move on from this anytime soon. Like, Fighting over the a blender, maybe I could get past. <laughs> I'm not sure I can get past this. So, that you know, we'll fast forward a little bit. Uh, my middle daughter, um, you know, a few months ago, six months ago, had a daughter. So I have a granddaughter. Congratulations! They come to visit for Christmas, and I that's really the first time I spoke or text more than two or three words to my ex that I'm really, really not interested in my, our granddaughter knowing anything about that type of a family fracture. So from this day on that that's in the past, whatever, you know, I've moved on, remarried somehow, some way in a grocery store, no less. Evidently, that's the only way place I meet women is grocery stores. But yeah, I, I absolutely knocked this thing out of the ballpark. Um, you're freaking me out a little bit because there is an age discrepancy between us, uh, and it's about 14 years. So same with my parents. I know that's uh, freaking me out a little bit. So she's 65, or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm taking in all that social security num- money, you know. I think she's 33, something like that. Good to you. I didn't choose when she was born. I mean, I just, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Not to steer stuff, but I guess the moral of the story is th- there is light at the end of the tunnel, even without all this stuff. You know, that, that maybe mine is a, there's people that have it way, way worse. I mean, there's, there's people that have it way worse than I have and, and had. And the, the system didn't work. It didn't, quote unquote, do the right thing. Uh-huh. There is life after divorce. I just, I don't know about you. You probably weren't like me. But I distinctly remember when things were going downhill and the prospect of being single. So I think at the time I was... 36, 37 years old. I'm looking in the mirror going, all right, you're 37 years old. You have three kids. You know, you have full-time, full-time job. You drive a minivan and you're arguably about 70, 80 pounds overweight. You're going to be single for a long time. You're laughing, but I was dead serious. Like it was looking at myself in the mirror, almost trying to prepare myself for that. Like, this is your reality. You're going to have to be okay with it. You have the kids. You have the house. You shouldn't be complaining. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, and it's not like you need to be jumping back in any type of a relationship anyways. You're best served 
to take some time off and just be okay being alone. I don't think that happens nearly enough. I think we try really hard to get back to that comfort zone. And so any relationship we get into right away, we try to accelerate to where we left off. Maybe not with the, you know, the I do's and everything. Sure. No, I know what you mean. Back to where things are, your, your, your reality, what normal was to you. I, um, I've been accused my entire, like my brother and sister tease me all the time. They're like, the moment I get out of a relationship, it's like a week later and I'm back in another one. And it's not really that fast, but it kind of seems to, I, I kind of follow that trend. But after, after Kim and I split, um, I, I was relieved. Like, uh, and, and I honestly, I mean, um, I, I, I probably never be in a relationship again, a serious one. I just, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not scared of him. I just don't, I don't want to deal with it anymore. Maybe that's selfish. And that sounds like a, a, a child. And I know people, close friends of mine, mentors of mine, Jim Morton, for instance, says, dude, don't, don't blow it. If you get a second chance of somebody, you know, take it. And I just don't know. I just, uh, I like spending time with people. You know, I, it's just, I, I kind of like being alone. I like my quiet, my quiet place, you know, a nice quiet place, like golf course. And it's just, I, I like my spare time. I like my free time. There's nothing wrong with that, actually. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And now, nowadays, more than ever, you can live that way. I don't know a better way to phrase that, but you can live that style uh-huh. and be able to just date here and there if you wanted to. Like, no serious relationships. And I'm not, you know, I don't want that to sound back in the gutter or anything like no, that. I know what you I'm mean. just, but if you wanted to just go on a date and spend some time with a, uh, you know, a female companion to go see a movie or concert or whatever, you can do that now and meet a lot of different people. That That's something that wasn't quite so easy too awful many years ago. That No, you're right. You know, if that's, if you enjoy kind of the way life is with some independence, it's probably good for you anyways, right? Back to that if you're totally okay being quote unquote alone, you got to be careful. We toss that word around. You're not really alone, but without a significant other. Yeah. The, that's, that's pretty, I think that's pretty healthy too, because if you do meet somebody, hopefully they're adding to your life, not taking part of your life. What I've always said to my ex-wife, when we could talk like civilized human beings, I said, I look at Matt, tell me if you agree with me, Matt. I look at marriages, two people should come together and be better off together than they are apart. In other words, I uplift her and she uplifts me. However you want to look at that, emotionally, financially, supportive wise, however you want to look at it, it should, we should both be better off together than apart. And in fact, it was the opposite. Uh, I don't even know if she was better off with me because in the end, I became this crutch. I took care of the problems. And she admitted that. Whenever anything went wrong, you just handled it. And I counted on you for that. And for me, I felt like I had four boat anchors hanging from my my ankle. You know, she she frequently holds it over my head. Not so much anymore, but in the recent past that I would not be where I am today if it was not for her. Because she stayed at home and did everything, I was I was able to accomplish what I've accomplished so far. And my rebuttal was, it's because of her it took me so long to do it. Yeah. Was that the right thing to say? Probably not. But 
you know, I don't feel like she uplifted me. Uh, I did attempt to uplift at her initially, but after a while I just gave up and I said, the heck with you, do what you want. Yeah. I, I think what you're saying fundamentally is right. I don't know if it's just limited to marriages, you know, marriage by itself. I don't know how I would define that right off the cuff, but I think any relationship friendship should be, you know, a healthy friendship would be like you said, where you guys add to your lives or make your life better together than apart. Like I would hope most of my, or all of my friends, you included and so many others that I hope things are better because we're friends than, you know, worse. Right. What, um, some, you know, somehow, some way, or at least be neutral, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, but I would think a marriage specifically. Yeah, exactly. You would want to add to each other's lives, whatever that may mean. Uh, but it would be better that you're better off together than you were apart. I think I agree with that because, you know, just using that I probably wouldn't have ended up in that marriage. Now, granted, I am not, I am completely unwilling to be able to reverse time and change anything and lose out uh, on the, the three miracles from it. Right. But I could have went without a lot of that stress and a lot of that emotional pain. Yeah. And, you know, I could have skipped all that. I'd have been okay not having that in my life. I'd be totally okay not having those stories to tell and marveling and wincing at listening to somebody else tell that's those tales that I'd be way okay with that. I hear that. It almost feels like that's there should be advice involved. And granted, I'm not qualified to give advice. You're much more qualified to give advice than I am. I don't know about that, but maybe maybe I can word it like this. Rather than calling it advice, maybe what do I think would have made my outcome a bit different? If, if I'd have done something different. So if you want to call that advice, then fine. I could probably rattle them off slowly, but surely in a little bit of a, a list, if you if that'd be okay. Whatever you want, man. It's your show. First and foremost, again, my, my biggest mistake is not talking about my feelings with my significant other. It's okay to be bothered by something. It's okay to not get along and things aren't always perfect. That's fine. It might be a little bit of reality check when it first happens because things are so great during that dating phase. But when two people come together and live together, especially when they have kids, this is when things become a problem. Excuse me. This is when things can become a problem. And if you don't speak your truth, no matter what it is, you, no one can, no one can tell you how you feel is right or wrong. It's your feelings. So all you can do is discuss them. Um, I didn't and became resentful. That was my biggest problem. So um, because I was resentful, I spent a lot of time away from home and became less and less like a, a partner and a spouse and more and more like a roommate. And she did me a favor by making dinner and doing my laundry. And I did her a favor by bringing home money and taking care of the house and, and, and the bills and making sure everybody had what they need. But in the end, that's not a marriage. That's, that's just a, a domestic partnership. And, and unless that was the initial agreement, that's not going to work. We'd have made okay roommates. So that was my, my biggest mistake is not speaking my truth. Uh, when things did bother me, though, behaving like I did. When I wasn't happy, I made excuses for myself. You know, if I could spend time with somebody, uh, lots of times it was just my friends. Sometimes it was, it was women and, and not because I'm some, you know, 
pervert maniac or anything like that. It's just that I, I get along w- with this woman or that woman much better than my own wife. And it had nothing to do with the fact that they were prettier or, or they had their lives together or they had more money or it was nothing like that. It was just a situational thing. I handled that wrong. Uh, I made a tremendous amount of mistakes over and over again. I take full responsibility, uh, but I did it because I wasn't happy. I wasn't doing it to be sneaky or, or have your cake and eat it too. You know what I mean? Yep. yep. And, and they call those guys, you know, players and stuff. That's not me. That wasn't it at all. It was a, it was an emotional thing. And uh, physical things became because of this emotional thing. And um, it was wrong. And uh, that started a downward spiral. That was one of those, oh, yeah, well, guess what I'm going to do now? And that turned it into something that um, I, I don't want to talk about because it's more of, of something. If she was here, she'd, she'd probably say, I don't want to talk about that. So I just want to respect her feelings. Uh, things went really south for us, put it that way. Really, really south. And uh, again, it, it got down to the end where she's like, you know, this is all your fault. And I, I, I said, like, the heck it is. Look at all this crap you put me through. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. Going back to the beginning, if I had just spoke up like a human being, there might not have been even hardly any arguments. But at some point in time, either things are going to get better or they're not. Um, like you, many times, my ex offered, let's go do counseling. Let's go do counseling. And Matt, I was so spiteful. I didn't want to do counseling simply because she wanted to. Whatever she wants, I don't want it. Now, what do you want for dinner? Steak. No, I don't want steak. You know what I mean? I I'd purposely, yep. that was just my way of, I was being a little kid about it. I didn't want to get help to fix our problems because that's what she wanted. How stupid is that? Yep. So I was acting like a child. And I think we could have fixed a lot on our own. We definitely would have been fine if we had somebody helping us see, you know, it's one thing for me to point to her and say, you're a problem. It's another thing for a total stranger to say, hey, look, I see a problem happening. I'm not pointing at you or you. This is an issue and has to be settled. If you do have to get to the point where you're getting a divorce, like you mentioned, God forbid, I don't wish that upon anybody, but please don't do it angry. My mom always used to tell me, like, sometimes she'd beat my ass. And I mean, I deserved it. I was a little, being a little kid, and, and I got my ass whooped sometimes. But my mom would always tell me, I never hit you when I'm angry. That's why it takes me so long. She'll go cool off. And then she hits me to get her point across. But she doesn't hit me to hurt me. It hurts, and it shakes you up. But that's what it's for. Um, with that, I don't, don't fight angry. If you have something to talk about, talk about it. If it starts getting heated, you don't have to win the fight. Nobody gives a crap. Nobody cares who came out on top. Yep. I can't talk to you about this right now. I'm angry and this is not going to go well. I need to cool off. Please give me some time. It sounds so easy to do and it's not. It's really hard. Really, really, really hard because you want to fight. Believe me. Yeah. And that I learned that in counseling that like that was a big thing with me was not growing up around with a lot, not watching your parents argue very much because I don't think they really argued a lot. I'm sure they had heated discussions. I mean, they're two individuals. They'd have to. But I was an arguer. I loved to argue like I got a kick out of it. Right. And the problem with that is, is I didn't need to go cool off. I what I don't understand saying something I don't mean because I'm mad. I don't understand 
being crabby because I'm hungry. I don't understand being crabby because I'm tired. I, that doesn't make sense to me. Like you think what you think, it doesn't matter how angry you are. What do you, why would you say these horrible things? Cause you're angry and oh, I didn't mean it. I was just mad. No, that doesn't make any sense. I could not sympathize with that. So that means I don't back off. Mm-hmm. That means I'm, I'm still discussing, I'm still arguing and you're, just getting more and more angry and you're just ready to go all incredible Hulk and tear the house down. And I'm still going because it doesn't matter how angry I am. I'm not going to, there's certain things I'm not going to say because I don't feel that way, but I am, I'm angry. And that's another, I struggle with that. Like anger has been made into this bad thing. It's almost, (laughs) it's an evil word. Like pro like profit. (laughs) Yeah, it's evil. Anger's anger is evil. No, no, no. Anger is completely normal. Now, you can take things to an extreme, of course, and that is horrible. But you can't be upset with yourself for being angry. You should probably try to process why. And then we're back to that thing I keep talking about. And it's the worst, it's the hard, it's the hardest thing to do is, or one of the hardest things to do. It's very difficult to do. It's just to be honest. Be honest with yourself. It sucks, right? It just sucks to be able to try to yep. sit down and think through a situation and own up your end of it and be honest. Maybe you do have a lot. You have a lot of responsibility for this situation. And then very honestly, maybe you don't. But you got to be honest with yourself. You, yeah, you got to face it. You have to be honest and go, no, no, I... This is my part and I own it and I got to do something about it. I got to, I got to make it right. Hey, you know, I, I got to throw in some good news here. Uh, as much, as much of the bad stuff you and I've been talking about the last hour and a half, I can't believe how fast time's going. Um, her and I are, are now friends. We, we are both, uh, co-parenting, if you will. Uh, we're friends. Matter of fact, this summer, we're going to go to the beach together with my daughter and spend some time with her having a good time, like a family should. And my daughter's slowly learning that, you know, this is the new mom and dad. This is how they're going to be friends and everything's going to be fine. We don't have to be together to have for all of us to be a good time and everything's still going to be just fine. And she's getting more and more comfortable with that every day. So that is awesome. Uh, I I couldn't ask for better. Like seriously, no BS. That is awesome. Thanks. Yeah. I, I, I haven't felt this good in two years. Um, I, I sleep better. I have better days. Um, I, I start taking better care of myself. I slow down on a drink and I, I'm out of drink in two weeks. You know, I, I back in the gym. I just, I feel better. I, f- I feel more like myself again. Yeah. That's awesome. So kind of getting back to what I was saying earlier, not that it's so important what I have to say, but that the whole mirror thing, looking in the mirror, trying to come to grips with, you know, you're going to be single. You're going to be a single dad for a long time. And I, I don't mean that as like, oh, pity me, yeah. you know, please send me a bunch of messages telling me, you know, how untrue that would be. That was just kind of like, to realize this is your reality. And part of it too, is to be okay with it. That the, the important thing was, is I got to be a full-time dad. I didn't, you know what I mean? So yeah, I do. to also count those blessings, if you will. And, um, that's not the day it started. I started before that. So like the night she left, that's when I started the whole divorce diet thing. 
Dude, I remember that. Yeah. You were scared. I need to go back on it, but <laughs> I don't really want to go through the divorce again. I was scared to ask you. I finally did. And, and I said, what, what's you okay? And you're like, no, divorce will do that to you. I didn't know if you were kidding or not. I didn't, you know, you and I weren't really close friends back then, but. It wouldn't matter. We could be super close friends. And if I said something to you, you'd be like, I wonder if he's telling the truth. Yeah, that's true. I wonder if he's serious. That's true for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd stopped eating for a week. Dang. And then for a couple of weeks after that, I ate, but I couldn't keep food down. Yeah, my parents were kind of like, you need to go to the doctor. Like, no, I know what's wrong. I mean, come on. Everybody knows what's wrong. What? You're going to throw some pills at me? No. Not me, dude. You know, I just tried to make sure I was, you know, getting vitamins and trying to get sleep. I wasn't sleeping. Uh, so I'm, I don't know, from, to be technical, I suspect I put myself into like raging, raging ketosis unwittingly. And yeah, it burned, man, it burned fat. And, Let's see. In about six months or less, probably closer to five months, I had lost six seventy pounds. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I just and I didn't really know it. All I knew is my pants didn't fit anymore. <laughs> That's what I knew. They didn't fit for crap anymore. I had to wear belts. I had to get new pants. And if I wanted to, I could wear extra large shirts or even large shirts if I was feeling a little confident. But I, I would, I'd gone into the doctor for strep and they were going to weigh me. And I remember like coaching myself up like, okay, you know, if you're under, if you're anywhere around 250 or less, you need to be really, really, really proud of yourself. Like you, you really need to be proud of yourself because I was kind of scared of the scale I didn't know you were that heavy. Oh, dude, I was... I had no idea you were heavy. I was pushing three. No. I was pushing three what? bills. Oh, yeah. Evidently, I carried it well. I don't I think didn't. so. I'd have guessed that you're heaviest. You were 225. I didn't. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> I've slimmed down since uh, last year, and I'm at 225. But uh, back then, yeah, I was really... Um, I was pushing 300 there for a while. I don't eat sweets or anything. It was just uh, chips, Doritos, and I guess sweets. Yeah, chocolate chip cookies. I can destroy those. <laughs> That's why I don't even now. I'm a yeah. It's, I can eat. Yeah, yeah it, it just it melted off, and then as it was melting off, I was trying to use that as momentum to keep mm -hmm. losing and try to get down to some arbitrary number I had in my head of. I think I wanted to be like, see if I could get to 200 or under 200. And I, I never did. I think the my absolute lowest that I remember on a scale was 207. And some people did not like me at 207, even though I think medically speaking, uh, even specifically like BMI, I should be closer at my height. I should probably be closer to 180. But at 207, people were thinking I was scrawny, like, me, scrawny? What? Maybe he's in high school. For my height, I'm supposed to be like 160 pounds or something like that. There's no way. <laughs> so you, what you're saying is both of us are a little too short for our weight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
I'm always too short. I'm too short for anything. It doesn't bother me. I got a better center of gravity. That's the way I'm yeah. <laughs> But, you know, I guess I just, I, you know, people kept asking me, like, if I felt better. It's like, no, I feel like crap. Yeah. I, if even at my heaviest, I felt like if I had to run up the stairs, I could. And I did. Maybe in my knees a little bit. Maybe in my knees, I could tell a little bit. And my knees didn't hurt. I could just like feel the strain a little bit. Yeah. You know, my blood pressure went to way normal. You know, it was elevated. It wasn't high, but it was elevated. Had really good uh, blood pressure. It turned out, I don't know. I just felt like I needed to find out if I would ever date again. Not that I wanted to date, so to speak, or get into a relationship. It's just like I was almost obsessively worrying about never dating again, or I will start dating when the kids are all grown up and I'm well, well into my 40s. Yeah. And not liking that prospect. And even sitting on some of the um, dating sites, just kind of flipping through them, seeing what's out there getting very depressed with what was out there and just kind of like, wow, you know, this, this sucks, but it ends up another, (laughs) another warning sign with my ex was she seemed to burn through friends. So she would have very close friends for a while and then almost drop them for another new friend. So pour a lot of energy into this person for a while, maybe it's a year, two years. And then find somebody else, hmm. pour all their energy, all our energy into them as a best friend and kind of leave the other one hanging. And, and one of them uh, had just said, yeah, we should go, you know, we should go out sometime. And I don't think there was anything. I, I don't think she was implying anything like romantic or anything. But yeah, we went to um, went to a restaurant and just talked about everything and watched a movie at her place. Nothing Nothing happened. I mean, I think we hugged at the end of it. But afterwards, I had asked her, you know, for like a rating. (laughs) Could you grade me on this? And uh, she was, her biggest piece of advice was I needed to change vehicles. That the the minivan was a bit of a turnoff. So I was kind of thinking about, oh, wow, you know, what what would I get? Because the minivan works. Dude, I got an 06 Civic. (laughs) Yeah, and it's like. But, you know, everything else is, you know, the conversation was great. That was, that was probably the best, that was what I needed, right? Yeah. To just hear some feed, positive feedback and that, all right? And then I kind of got an attitude with the vans, kind of like, no, you know what? Screw you. You're going to judge me because I'm driving the vehicle most appropriate for my life? Yeah. Whatever. Then I, we have, we have not much to discuss. <laughs> and Take my mini, we'll leave. <laughs> that ends up working very much in my favor. Good. Turns out that that's, I don't, I don't want to say a turn on, but that's kind of an attractive point of you pick somebody up for a date in a minivan and they want to make a crap. When the dad bod came back, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is it back again? I don't know. I don't know if it ever. I need it back. Oh, wait, I'm married. Forget it. <laughs> I just feel like it's important that through the divorce, your confidence is going to take a huge hit. And I'm not saying, I don't want anyone to have any delusions that I had a lot of self-confidence leading into it. It might be on YouTube. Will Smith 
the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, yeah, the Fresh Prince from DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, oh, the yeah. actor Will Smith has a uh, series where he kind of takes his life apart a little bit okay. and takes himself apart. He's trying to get back into shape and physical shape because through COVID he kind of let himself go. But he has a show on YouTube and he brings up this point that I really resonates with me that what we see of him on camera, maybe if we were to run into him on the street, this super confident alpha male got the world by the, you know, short hairs or whatever. He's got it all figured out, driven, goal oriented. That is a character he plays. Will Smith is a character. I'm not talking about just whatever role he's playing in the movie. Hollywood Will Smith is a character. I'm so. Yes. Who we perceive as Will Smith is not the real Will Smith. Jeez. And so anyone that would think, not that I am anywhere on par with Will Smith, but anybody that thinks that I have a certain level of confidence or a, a positive self-image or a lot of self-esteem, I have pulled the wool over your eyes. Uh, that is not true. It is a hundred percent the other way. You were honestly, yeah, very honestly. I assumed before I knew you that what you put out there that appears to be a lack of confidence is I don't want to say a cover up like you're trying to disguise yourself, but you're. I used to think that you were so confident that you 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 wanted people to feel better by downplaying yourself. Does that make sense? Like, let's say you walk up to this. I like that better. Let's go with that. Yeah, That's you walk way up to better. this real beautiful yeah. woman and it's like, oh my God, you're gorgeous. And, oh, no, I'm not. You know, they know they're gorgeous, but they're trying to. I, I, that's what I assumed before I knew you. I didn't realize it really was a lack of confidence. Not to keep going back on stuff. Uh huh. But when you said that, that, that hits me. One of the things that really um, attracted me to my ex wasn't really so much how she made me feel. Right. It's how I felt when I would walk somewhere with her, go, if we showed up at a trade show or uh, I don't think she ever really came to vision. Oh yeah, she did. Yeah. Go to the hotel lobby and guys would be like, Hey, that's your wife. And I, I liked that. I liked that a lot. That's a horrible reason to be with somebody. That That's kind of like... Uh, You're just being honest. There's a mo- another movie reference. <laughs> I love you, Beth Cooper. Never saw that one. Yeah. Uh, the, it wouldn't be the main protagonist or anything, but she's the object of his affection. Beth Cooper is dating a very alpha male type. I think he's in that, like the ROTC type. He's just, you know, chiseled, good looks, all that. Of course, he's a jerk, right? Because all good-looking guys are jerks, like you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> One bad thing about a podcast, you can't see my face when I say some of this stuff, which I like and dislike, depending on what I want. But he he's a jerk. Classic Hollywood jerk, right? And he, you know, the, the main protagonist asks Beth Cooper, why, you know, why are you with a guy like that? And the response is, because of the way I feel when other women are looking at me with him. And that just always hit me really hard. Like, yeah, I sympathize with that. Wow. 
But so anyways, there's this facade of self-confidence. You know, I don't feel like I had a lot of it going in. Going through that divorce and everything else took what little I had and killed it. And I think that's really, really common and normal. It's like, don't try not to read into it too much. Understand, it's back to that honesty thing, right? It's, it's so easy to say and hard to do. Be honest with yourself and assess the situation. Like, yeah. your confidence is wiped out. Why? Well, no, no kidding. But understand, it will, it will come back. You're, you're still you. You're the only you that will ever exist. So true. At least on this planet Earth. We won't get into some of well, Let's not get into some of these uh, statistic things with the universes, but I won't even say in this universe you're the only you. But Magnetic fields? On this planet, on this planet, you are the only you that will ever exist. So, you know, take, take, some, take some confidence from that. Take some solace in that. that you, you are special. Maybe not short bus special like me and Bryn Klein, but the rest of you, <laughs> you are actually very, you're very unique. You're very special. And the, the life will go on. Sure does. Regardless, but it'll get better. Weather the storm. Yeah. Weather the storm. Surround yourself with friends. Good friends. Yes, absolutely. I can speak to that. My best buddies. I told you, Tim and Josh, the, those guys, they're the whole time. It was, it was awesome. And you could probably call them anytime you wanted. Anytime. And they listened. And if you needed somebody to just listen, they'd listened. If you needed them to straighten you out a little bit. I know I, I know Tim I don't fairly well, not really, really well, but I've, we've talked on the phone a few times. He's he's a really, really good guy. Yeah. Great dude. Tim Iezzi is he's as good a guy as I know. Yeah. Not as good as you, of course, but no. <laughs> 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 no, Tim. Tim's great. So I know he would. If you needed to get straightened out, he'd straighten you out. Oh yeah, I'm not mess with that guy. He's a big old boy. Josh, same way. Oh yeah, Josh, a wiry little guy. But yeah, same thing. <laughs> wiry, wiry for sure. 130 pounds soaking wet, maybe if you're lucky. But uh, both of them, they're true friends because they tell you the truth. If you're if you're messing up, if you're if you're you know doing something stupid, they're gonna let you know. And and uh, I do the same for them. They're true friends because they're the guys you can talk to about stuff like this. This stuff that guys don't talk about, right? Quote, unquote. You got to push it down. Yep. It's the Bill Burr bit. You got to push it down. Do if it. you haven't seen it, go on YouTube. I recommend that everybody go to YouTube, find Bill Burr, and he's going to talk about men feelings. And I won't say the uh, F word that he's uses, and it isn't the F U word. Um. But it's uh, one that uh, in England they refer to as cigarettes. Yeah. That um, you got to push your feelings down. It's pretty accurate. It's funny. It's accurate. Yeah. Uh, I also, I didn't want to forget because I think it's important. Through all of that, I went through all of that. It's sick. Not sick. I just, I can't. It's hard to process how many friends I have that I can turn to. And that I hope no, that could turn to me, right? Back to that, uh, you know, what you said about relationships and marriages, you know, that uh, you're better together, that it's equal or 
you know, mutually positive that people that I leaned on know that they, if they need somebody to lean on, I'm, I'm there Mm -hmm. that, uh, my employer, my current one, I still work for him. So Riverside automotive, the support from there was, it's mind boggling in retrospect, how much time I was given to work stuff out, to go do this business. And I didn't have to worry about paychecks. I didn't have to worry about, you know, vacation time or whatever. It, they took care of me. They had my back. That's great. And right. And it's kind of like you and I were talking a little bit earlier. Most of us have certain plans in place for certain tragedies, right? Maybe not just step by step by step, but you have some contingency plans. And I'm wondering if small businesses have enough of those in place for certain life events like uh, sickness. What if your significant other gets really, really sick? Is there some contingency plans in place where you can be afforded some time to go handle that? And that's a fair that's a fair question, right? And I'm not sure. And the flip side too, like divorce, I guess. Like if you've got some stuff to handle, is there some contingency plans that you can go and get certain things handled? You know, if you have somebody that serves in the military, if they need to go, sir, you know, leave and go overseas or whatever. You have to have contingency plans in place to deal with their absence. And then when they get back, they, they have their job, right? So it's kind of something to think about. It's, it's not even an advice thing. It's just something to consider in the back of your head. Running, uh, running a business is start thinking about big life events, particularly the ones on the more negative side. I, I think we know they're going to happen. You, you can assume... You know, I think is it once every 10 or 15 years expect some big life event to occur. Well, that's you as an individual, as a business owner, as an employer. Do you have stuff set up? Not just for them. I mean, it's, it's nice to be able to support your employees, but also for the business itself to be able to weather such storms as well. Mm-hmm. It's just an idea. I think it's very smart to implement plans like that, even if they never come to be. Uh, better to have that that safety net in place in case you know, that backup plan. You never know. That could end a business. Put the hurt on them, depending on what kind of the size of the business and who, mm-hmm. you know, what role they have. Absolutely. Very true. So I almost feel like we have to end this conversation by serving each other papers. <laughs> There's been enough of that, huh? I appreciate the opportunity. A lot of this stuff, I didn't, it wasn't that it was a big secret. It's just I never actually talked about it. I never, I never had the opportunity to talk about it, uh, nor the desire, honestly. But, but looking at it from the perspective as if I could go back a few years ago and somebody had told me, pointed to me all the things I was doing wrong, um, Maybe I'd have, I'd have gone about things a little bit differently and just maybe uh, me and, and my ex-wife would, would still be together and, and would be better partners now than ever before because we realized the mistakes we've made. This isn't some crying thing. Like I said, her and I are friends and, and, and I'm happy with the way things are. And, and so is she. And of course, my daughter wants us together. 
what, what child does, yep. you know, unless yep. there's a major problem. But she's slowly starting to understand, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. And, and I'm patient, and she's patient. And things are just, I, I think they're as good as they've ever been. Different than That's what we awesome. expected 10 years ago, but certainly as good as they've ever been. So I'm thankful for that. Yeah, and hopefully, arguably better than they were a year or two ago. For sure. Right. I never felt that bad for that long. Honestly, the worst, in my opinion, just from my own experience, the only thing worse than being sad is being angry all the time. God, it's terrible. It just ruins everything. When you knew it was over, what was the hardest thing you had to do? Uh, 100% hardest part was realizing that I wasn't going to see my daughter every day. That was a that was a long, long week for me. After that, uh, after I've come to to terms with that, and then it came time to start cutting the checks to the lawyers and and her. Uh, boy, that chapped me, chapped my rear end because I spent my entire life working and putting money aside, and we're talking about tens of thousands of dollars. And for someone to just, I'm downplaying this, but this is my feelings at the time. Someone who just cooked me dinner for 10 years and do my laundry suddenly gets all my life savings, who's never made an effort to save a penny in her entire life. Um, I don't feel that way now, but that's how I felt when I was angry. I think that's important, though. You're yeah. just being honest about how you felt back then. Yeah. And, and it's those feelings that make you do things or make you want to do things, even if you don't do them. That's just not like you, and it's not fair to that other person. I mean, that woman worked in her own way, as hard as I did as a mechanic, as a technician, using my mind, using my hands. Uh, you, I don't have to go over that with you. You know firsthand what I'm talking about. So does everybody listening to this. That's hard work. Uh, I didn't look at it as she worked hard, but she did. She was raising my daughter. And I think she had a more important job than I did. Now I'm, I'm happy that I gave her that money. Not that I had a choice, but I, I now feel that she deserved that money. Yeah, important or at least different. And part of the grand scheme. Yeah. Right? Yep. Like sometimes we have the traditional roles by, you know, g- gender or whatever. Uh, but there's certain roles that get filled for certain reasons. And if everybody's doing that role, it's important. You know, you need, you need money. That's all there is to it. Somebody's going to be gainfully employed with the income. And the other one is going to be the job is the homemaker. Yeah. It's, it's hard to assess value. You need them both. And you do. So, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, I do 100%. I didn't at the time, but I do now. I definitely know. Yeah, I think it, like if my parents would have split when I was little, that would have been rough to watch because my mom was a homemaker and my dad worked, we'll just say three jobs. Uh, he was a rural carrier. He worked for my grandfather at the farm implement dealer. And then we farmed. So there's many, especially in like the spring and the fall, there's many days where he woke up when it was dark, 5.30 in the morning, go carry mail, probably 4.30 in the morning, go carry mail, go to the implement for a couple hours till it closed at five o'clock, sometimes six o'clock. If it was harvest time and oh yeah take advantage of you know for other yeah well other farmers they're breaking down and they need their stuff fixed yesterday and then he'd get home and he'd be in the field until midnight one two o'clock in the morning sleep a few hours and he you know a couple of weeks he'd have to do that 
And just thinking like if they would have split, how easily that could have counted against him. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. So that, that would have been really rough. Uh, just to answer my own question, when I knew things were done, the hardest thing I had to do, the hardest thing was to tell my parents. I felt like such a failure. And I had to I had to shut my feelings off or else I would have just broke down into a puddle of tears in front of them. And I'm not really going to do that. Were you worried about what they'd think of you? Yeah. Okay. I get it. I don't know if it's that, you know, the oldest kid thing or just whatever, just me, you know, just me. There's some things I can't handle. And one of them is disappointing my parents. Like doesn't, that does not sit well with me, but kind of rolling with some of that too. I think back to a little bit of advice and not to keep dragging this out. I know I've been at this for a while, but it's a big topic. It is. Try to be involved. Try to be involved with your kids. So if if things are going to fall apart and they're not going to be necessarily amicable and you're going to have to go fight for some custody. And I, and I think now again, it's where you live, but I think now more than ever, men have a better shot at getting more visitation than ever before. Or or winning custody in some cases, if need be. But just assume that you know everybody's fairly sane. You're just very upset with each other. You're going to fight, and then the kids get used as pawns, and that's a horrible thing. That you should be able to know. You should be active, and it's not a contest. Like I don't think it's well. She took the kids to the doctor one more time than you did, so. You're, you're getting every other weekend and two weeks in the summer, pal. It's nothing like that, but you should be able to answer where they go to school. So name other teachers. You've gone to their conferences. You take them to the doctor here and there, you know, if they're on medications, you know, when they take their, edu- when they take their medications, um, what their bedtime is, when they wake up. You, like you should be an active parent and that's a good thing to do anyways. Forget you shouldn't be planning on divorce, but in the back of your head, you have to have contingency plans for tragedies. Yeah. You're right. You just reminded me of something and I, I don't want to cut you off. I need to get cut off. Well, no, uh, this slipped my mind earlier and I just, I just remembered now one very important thing. And I promise you, this is extremely difficult to do, especially when, when, the heat is on. You're in the middle of the battle. Do not let your children hear you speak bad about your spouse. Um, my daughter to this day, and she's she's 10 now. At some point in time, I don't even remember saying this, but she was probably about four years old. I made a comment and it wasn't anything over the top. It was something like, like, oh, here we go again. And I, I just mumbled something and my, I wasn't even talking to my daughter. She heard me said it, but she still brings it up. Daddy, remember when you said this about mom? I'm like, yep. these kids will never forget. And, and if, if you talk bad about their, their mom, you know, in my case, they look up to their mom. So obviously you don't know what you're talking about. You just lost all your credibility. And besides that, we should be talking about it, about our, our spouse in front of the children. It's just, it's not fair for them. It's not fair. Yeah. Especially if you're the one or either one is talking smack about the other one and the other one isn't. Yeah, that makes it worse. Right. The one's keeping control and holding their tongue and the other one's mouthing off. It's just no matter how good it makes you feel or how much you think you're helping your child by convincing them that you're not the bad guy. If you're doing that by bad mouthing, you know, 
you know, McKenna, it's not daddy's fault. He tries really hard, but mommy doesn't try hard. You know, something like that, that might feel like the truth at the time. You can't do that. It's not fair to the child. It's just not fair. No. Yeah. That's, that's super good advice. You're forcing them to choose between who's the, who's the better parent. And it's, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough thing for a kid to have to face. And I only said that, like I said, because I slipped up and it wasn't really anything all that bad, but she remembers that's the point. And she, she'll never forget that. And I feel so, I feel so bad. That is super good advice. Thanks. Yeah. That, I'm glad you remembered that. Yeah. I don't know. I think I'm tapped. Okay. And I just got your papers. So thanks. <laughs> Ripping my heart out. I ain't signing. <laughs> I just I ain't going to do it. We'll, we'll, we'll work it out. Will I be seeing you at STX? We'll work it out. <laughs> who, would, who would be a good counselor for us? Carm. 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 <laughs> I don't know. Tracy might. Oh. She seems opinionated. I don't know, Tracy. I only met her recently. Lovely smile. Me too. Beautiful girl. Very nice. I don't even remember her. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, I think that, um, I mean, that wraps up a lot of stuff. Um, I, I mean, really, I, I we probably skipped over or really glanced over is try not let try to not let it get to that point yeah. as much as you reasonably can. That so, you know, and my mistake is early on settling. I could make a pretty strong argument that everybody settles, which sounds really, really bad, but I think it's very true and it's not so negative as you would make it out to be. You can always find something wrong. Well, or if you build up the perfect, you, you know, significant other, whatever that may be, you know, they look like so and so and they act like so and so and what, whatever these, you know, attributes are. Does the person you're with really live up to that? Probably not. So now you're settling. And if that person ever showed up that in the real, in the, in the flesh, would you be able to say no? That's a good question. There's, there's more going on with the, the answer to that. Yes or no. If you could withstand that. So that's not an easy yes or no. Yeah, you're right. It's not. The, the, the fact of the matter is, is everybody settles. You take, there's certain things that you, I, I guess I remember in <laughs> I remember in college, some of the girls would break up with their boyfriend and they make these lists. It was funny, these lists of what the next boyfriend was going to be like. So they broke up with so and so, and he was a jerk and whatever. And this the new guy, my next boyfriend, I'm I'm holding out until he's, you know, whatever, smart, funny caring, but whatever the list would be, you know, some of them would be four things long. Some of them would be 40. The next guy never met any of those things <laughs> ever. So they settled. So, you know, who just, you know, attraction is a weird thing. That, that could be a it whole is. nother podcast. That could be a really, that could be a really interesting podcast, but the, um, the settling thing isn't so bad. It's just that you better figure out, when it gets when it gets to be a certain point in the duration of where this relationship is heading and what the expectations are, if it ends up expectations on either of your part is long term relationship and maybe marriage, maybe not, just maybe a a long term civil union that 
you really step back and assess what is the reasonable, how reasonable is it that this person you will be able to be with for that length of time? Yeah. And, and it, can, it can be really hard to see through the veil of lust and love and all that, but you have to do it. If I would have done it, things would be much different um, and maybe worse. Like, don't get me wrong. I could have made things worse. Things are the way they are and they worked out. They worked out great. So I would not, if I had a time machine, unless I had a reset button to be able to go back to exactly where I am now, I wouldn't mess with it because things are too good the way they are. Okay. But that was a big gamble. <laughs> no, nobody would have drew this out as a path to this point. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I, yeah, you're gonna have to be honest with yourself and you're gonna have to be honest. Like, am I willing to do what it takes to make it last as well? Cause it, it's not always about the other person. It's, you got to, be aware of yourself as well. And am, am I, when I commit, am I going to commit and not just for the foreseeable future, which ends up being statistically 8.42 years, or is it going to be for ever, you know, quote unquote forever? Easy to say, hard to do, but a lot of times, you know, we talk to people that have been divorced and especially like rough divorces, the signs were there long before they got married mm-hmm. you just look the other way because maybe when the good times are good they're just so good that you're okay with these lulls but it's, man maybe you can be with somebody that the highs aren't quite so high but the lulls maybe don't exist or they're That's not awesome. right yeah I don't see why anybody shouldn't want to have that shouldn't have the opportunity to have that I should say yeah, yeah. And it's it doesn't mean to have your expectations and criteria so ridiculously set that you are now not going to settle for anything. You, you know, try to be reasonable. Sure. I've woken you up a few times now already. You're ready to conk out. <laughs> no. No, I'm good. This is neat. And you know what? The, I know it seems like there's a lot of pauses, but this isn't like a a typical checklist that that we tend to go through like, you, you know, your typical questions you'd ask somebody, this is kind of, I don't know, kind of just winging it. You know what I mean? And think of the answer. that's what I do. Yeah. It's great. It's real. Yeah. I, I think that's my biggest hope is it's real. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's a little, you know, not the most linear conversation, but I, I think it's, if it can just be real and, and you know, people in their profession can listen to it. And if you're going through a divorce or things are looking bad, you know, that they, they can be saved back to the honesty thing. It's like, if you're, if you're going to try to save it, what are you saving? Right. You know, cause let's, let's be really honest. Some, some relationships need to end. Yeah, they do. And you know, if you're willing to, to evaluate, like you just mentioned, and it can be saved. If you try and it still doesn't work, at least you gave it your best effort. You should be able yes, to walk away, yes. you know, relaxed about it. This is why you are like the perfect guest for this. I, I kid you not. I am not blowing smoke up your tail. Why is that? Because you say these things and it ignites a memory. That was exactly what I told my ex about the, the last ditch effort to go to counseling. Because if we both, if we go to counseling, 
and we both really try, we're probably going to save it. But if we don't, at least we can have the respect for each other and ourselves that we tried really hard. Yeah, and it didn't work. That was the pitch. I mean, it got turned down, but... <laughs> and then, you know, I'm not much of a salesman. No, you didn't even waste your time then. And that's, that's a good thing too. Better a no than... A- why isn't Matt on the front counter? That's why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and on that huge disappointment... Nah, it was good, man. I appreciated it. I can't thank you enough for coming on. I can't thank you enough for the uh, honesty, talking about some really personal, personal stuff and being so open about it and real. And uh, yeah, I mean. Hey, you know, I'm I'm happy to do it, Matt. Uh, like I said, everybody's always been a big help to me. And this is a tough subject. Yeah, you know, I'm happy to share if it could help somebody else not make the same mistakes I did because you can really save yourself a lot of heartache, trouble. If you just open up, open up a little bit. Just, just like at the shop, you got issues with manager or a, a coworker. Sometimes confronting them and confronting doesn't have to be um, cruel or stern or anything like that, but just Address, talking, addressing the situation. Can, man, it can save a lot of problems and you don't end up in that. I think it's called carpet bagging. I think where you just store it all. Don't discuss it. Keep quiet. Keep stewing. Keep stewing. And then finally you get to the point where you just don't care anymore. And now everybody thinks love and hate are the polar opposites. Like hate is 180 degrees um, from love. And that is not true. It is so not true. The opposite of love is not hate. Yeah. Sometimes they're right next to each other. It's apathy. Apathy is the opposite of love. I am apathetic to your existence. Try, you know, just try really hard not to get to that point. And a lot of times it's just having a hard conversation. Mm-hmm. Thank you again, my friend. I you got it. Didn't buddy. mean to cut you off there. Anytime. No, I'm. I'm. You didn't cut off anything. Thank you. Much appreciated. Maybe next time we'll talk about like, I don't know, pressure, transducers, <laughs> lab scopes, <laughs> something cool. All right. Take care, my friend. I so, so appreciate it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. It was a long one, but I, it did not feel long. I went time. It was, I know, right? And, you know, if you don't mind, I want to put something out there. Um, Please. Guys, I'm on, I'm on Facebook and stuff like that. Many of you guys have my email address. Um, You guys want to talk about something like this anytime, give me a call. I'm happy to help. Might seem weird, but I'm just letting you know I'm available if you want to talk. You stole the words right out of my mouth. Same thing. Facebook, uh, it's, it's, you know, messenger, email, happy to, happy to try to talk or help or put you in touch with people that can help. Uh, yes, sir. so yeah, if, if you like listening to this, please give us a like, uh, subscribe on YouTube. I really, really appreciate it. I really, really appreciate you, Brandon. You got it, buddy. I appreciate you too. Yeah, we'll talk to you later, sir. All right, my friend. You've been listening to Matt Fonslow diagnosing the aftermarket A to Z on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Matt on your favorite listening app. He's very interested in what you have to say. Let him know what you'd like him to cover and come on the show. Matt is all for advancing the aftermarket. Find Matt Fonslow on social media and connect or on aftermarketradionetwork.com.